0: It's a joy to be speaking to us this afternoon, the the Word of God. I want to start uh, with a question. Uh, How many of us here have the experience of being placed on standby? Any form, right? Where you're on alert, on call, ready to respond. Anyone, hands up, standby for whatever, in whatever way. Sometimes it could be a a medical situation. I just watched uh, Top Gun. Do you all enjoy Top Gun, those of you who watch? The planes are, fighter planes are on standby, ready to go at a moment's notice. This was my standby back in 2006 when I was in the army. So this just gives you a, a glimpse of what I looked like back then. And how, uh, yes, how handsome I was in green. Uh, so we were preparing for our 24km route march and we were uh, actually waiting in our bunks. Um, So to be ready for the route march, we had to have this uniform on, our uh, rifle, uh, full equipment, pack, helmet, everything. And here was the deal. The moment the instructors sounded the siren, we had to come down two minutes ready to move out. But it was raining, thunder and lightning. So we had to wait. And we waited, and we waited, and we waited. Three days later, the rain didn't stop. Um, and they had to call off the exercise. But we were actually on alert for three days. We slept in our uniform. All our stuff was uh, next to the bed at every moment. Now, for those of us who are new to Covenant EFC, this year we are looking at Paul's letters to the Thessalonian Church, uh, one and two Thessalonians. And one of the key themes that comes out of this, I think we will know by now, um, is the idea of the return of the Lord. And Paul calls the believers in Thessalonica, to be ever ready. And the message to us today is the same. Be ready. Be ever ready for our King's return. But actually, I don't know if you've actually paused to think about this. What does it mean in practice? It sounds like a nice piece of theology. But let's be honest with ourselves. I think it it doesn't really feature as we, we go about our daily lives, isn't it? Maybe some of us feel it's pretty unrealistic to be ever ready. And you say, oh, good for you, right? You were waiting three days and three nights in your uniform, waiting for this route March to start, but I can't live like that. I can't live like that. I, I can't put my life on hold. I have a mortgage to pay. I have kids to raise. I have holidays to go for. Or maybe you say, the second coming of Christ is... It's quite uninspiring. It's gloomy. I mean, that's a fact, right? God coming as judge, pretty gloomy. And I would prefer something more uplifting, more positive, more cheerful, something that I can actually build my life around. Or this last one. We come to church in polite company. We sometimes don't say these honest thoughts, but maybe we feel actually the return of Christ is unwanted. Why? Because life is pretty good. Comfortable. And if Christ comes again, they have to give some things up. It's not so bad, therefore, if the return of Christ is delayed. So this is what some psychologists call the left-hand column, things we have in our mind, uh, but we don't say out. So if that's you, just hold these doubts, be honest with them, um, but let's learn together what does it really mean to live in the light of Christ's return. So for the Thessalonian church, they were quite different from us, actually. They lived in the 1st century AD. That's many, many, many years ago. But to them, the return of Christ was the central and defining anchor of their faith. Why? They believed that they were the last generation standing. They actually believed within their lifetime, they would see Christ come back. Because their faith cost them very dearly. In Singapore, we, we don't feel this. Our faith doesn't cost us all that much. But to them, it cost them economically, their livelihoods, their social relationships. And they long for Christ to come back for them. we say, okay, that's them, that's not us, right? Uh, today we are, we're, we're not persecuted, we don't experience these problems, then what does it mean to live in the light of Christ's return? What does this passage mean for us today? Okay, so I'm going to help us to understand it together and the first thing we will do is to read it out loud. So if you can see it on the screen, Or you can follow in the ESV on your devices, on your Bible. Okay, so on the count of three, let's read. One, two, three. Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So, notice with me, to describe the return of Christ, Paul uses this idea, very profound from the Old Testament, called the Day of the Lord. So, we need to dig a little bit to find out what it meant then in that context before we apply it to ourselves today and what it means, how we can be ready for it. So, two simple ideas I want to lead us through today. The first, is that the day of the Lord is a day of God's vindication or his rescue. The next is that the day of the Lord is a day of his verdict, his judgment. Okay, so vindication, verdict, simple enough. We're going to look at it one at a time. First, let's look at vindication. Now, if you follow with me in your Bibles, and I, maybe you even have the whole letter in front of you right now, you notice this thing. Paul doesn't really explain what the day of the Lord is. And the reason for that is very simple. Okay, when you came in today uh, and somebody asked you, can you show your vaccination status, please? Show of hands, how many ask, vaccination for what disease? Huh? Measles? No, you don't have to ask because you already know. So in the same way, the Thessalonian Christians knew what the day of the Lord is. But I think it's that we are not so familiar, right? Here, 21st century Singapore, we don't know what the Day of the Lord means. So we have to look at the Old Testament to help get ourselves up to speed. Uh, and we are, we are not able to study all that the OT covers. Uh, it would take too long. It's very complex. So we'll just look at one verse, Isaiah 34.8. So allow me to read this for us, a short verse. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. So what is the day of the Lord? Here is a day, it's painted as a day of vengeance. And imagine this portrait, this painting of the day of vengeance. Right at the centre, you see a character. That's God himself. God is the divine warrior who brings justice. Against who? against everyone who has rebelled against Him, everyone who has oppressed His people. And so, therefore, the day of the Lord is a day of vindication for God's people who have stayed faithful to Him. So Zion here refers to God's people. Now something interesting to notice about this verse is that the word that is translated recompense in the ESV, now it's not not a word we use all the time, but it's linked to the Hebrew word Shalom. So shalom means peace, but not in the sense of peace and quiet. I'm a parent with young kids, so I understand what peace and quiet means. But that's not what shalom means. The peace of shalom is the peace of wholeness, of healing, of God restoring. So you see, when God acts for His people, for the cause of Zion, He brings healing to us. Healing. That's something for us to grasp. Now, when we, we, we look at the phrase, God is a warrior, right? and, and we look at the world, we look at people who stir up war in our world today. I don't even need to name names. Does it feel jarring to you? Right? God, God is a warrior? What does that make God? Bloodthirsty? Violent? Sometimes we, we shudder at this image. But actually, what it means, we we really have to understand this, that when we say God is a warrior, it means that God wins in the end, that God is victorious over evil, that God will wipe out the disease of sin that that corrupts and, and infects all of us, all of creation. He wipes away every tear, every sorrow. And we live in very dark times today. And won't you agree with me that actually, far from being irrelevant. Far from it. The day of the Lord is more relevant than ever before. Think with me, Ukraine. The war, the fighting now in eastern Ukraine. Entire cities reduced to rubble. I don't know if you, you feel when you look at a picture of a, a building bombed out in eastern Ukraine, we, we can't even grasp what that feels like, what, what that looks like. Because you look at that building, it could well be a HDB block, isn't it? But it's it's a shell. Lives are destroyed, shattered. We weep. But let's remember that God wins in the end. And don't forget Myanmar. September 2021, Myanmar soldiers gunned down this pastor and he's 31 years old. And all he was doing was, was rushing to help to rescue when, when the shelling happened. His whole town was in flames. And when, they, when the soldiers gunned him down, they saw his body. They took his wedding ring. They cut off his finger. And they took his wedding ring. And we weep at such things. But remember, God wins in the end. And how about Texas? This teacher, the, the lady was shielding students from a rain of bullets. Her body was a shield. A few days later, her husband died of a heart attack. But wasn't it of grief? We weep now, but remember that God wins in the end. And across the world, and even right here, we're we are crying out, we say, God, God, where are you in all this pain? Or maybe you're saying, applying it to yourself, God, where are you in my pain? My pain. When I am on the receiving end of injustice, God, do you even see? Or maybe you're suffering, you're sick, or somebody you love is sick. You say, God, I, I, I'm praying, but nothing seems to be happening. You say, God, do you hear? God, will you act for us? Friends, this is one thing I want you to know. When the night is dark, remember the day is coming. The day of the Lord will come. And that's the day when God will vindicate Himself. He won't just vindicate us. That's not the main thing. It's actually God vindicating Himself, His character, His justice. You see, God is not blind. He sees. He really sees. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but He really sees everything that is done righteous, unrighteous. He's not unfair. evil will be punished. He's not cruel. He will bring us to the point one day where he will heal us and restore us. So you're asking me right now, all right, I hear you, but what does it mean for me today? What does this vindication, if the day of the Lord is a day of vindication, what does it mean for me today, practically, personally? Two applications, just two very simple things. First, don't fret. Don't fret. Because God is on the, on the throne. You know, sometimes it's really hard to trace the hand of God in the midst of our suffering and through the storms. But the other day I was driving down the PIE going towards the east and I saw half the sky was grey. And the other half of the sky, light just piercing through this, this thick blanket of grey cloud. And sometimes that's what it's like. That one day we will see God's light shining through You know, we sang just now, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Maybe that's something you need to hear today. Second, first was you don't need to fret. Second, you don't need to fight. Fight for what? Fight to vindicate yourself. Fight when you face injustice, when you suffer because of somebody else. And you don't need to take revenge to retaliate. Would you agree with me that there's a streak in our sinful humanity that really loves revenge. Do you agree? Yeah. Something within us uh, finds it very shock, you know. <laughs> and the, how I know this, because I grew up watching Channel 8 wuxia shows at dinner time. And what's the plot line of every single wuxia show? Ba nan. Revenge. Ba Right? If there's no Bao cho, there's no UCR, right? And then you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And who are the central characters? They're called the Avengers. There's something that we love about revenge. Huh? But here's the thing, friends. When we trust God's vindication, we don't have to be so obsessed about avenging ourselves. No, I'm not saying that when we are unjustly treated, we don't seek justice when that comes and we have an opportunity for it. And when somebody else is unjustly treated and we can help, we can help bring justice, we should, we really should. But what I'm saying is that when we pursue justice, we don't need to be consumed by bitterness. There's a difference. Consumed by bitterness. Why? Because the true Avenger is not Captain America. Praise the Lord. It's the Lord Himself. And it says so in the Scriptures. Just a few verses before today's passage, First Thessalonians 4.6, the Lord is an avenger in all these things. He fights for us. He fights for us. Can I hear an amen to that? So friends, we've covered that first part about the day of the Lord being the day of his vindication, but it's another section that we, need, we really need to, to get into and to grasp, and that is, it's a day also of his verdict. You see, the day of the Lord is the day when He will come, He will sit as the judge, He will deliver and pronounce that verdict over our lives. And all of us, Christians and non-Christians, we will stand before Him. We will give an account. God alone delivers the sentence. One question we might ask, okay, so when is this going to happen? And let's get back into the text from 1 Thessalonians 5. In verse 2, it says this, it says, the day of the Lord will come, Like a thief in the night. So, when we read Matthew, there are verses in Matthew and in Luke that also talk about this thief metaphor. We get it. We get it. It's simply that we don't know when this thief is going to come. So, imagine if you knew a thief was going to come to your house at 3 a.m. What would you do? 2 a.m., you wake up already, right? Get ready your baseball bat, check that all the padlocks are there, check all your windows are closed, call the police to be on standby. Last I checked. The thief doesn't announce. He doesn't tell you in advance. And verse 1. You see, the, I think the, the, the writer gives us a hint here. Paul gives us a hint that the Thessalonian Christians actually wanted to know when the thief was coming. They wanted to know the times and seasons. It was like getting insider info on when the day of the Lord will come. And why? This is my educated guess. Because they believed that when you can predict, you know how to prepare. When you can predict, you know how to prepare. Sounds logical, right? That's kind of how we think. And it reminds me of something that is probably close to our hearts if you have young children or you have touched the Singapore education system in any way. Do you recognise these words on the screen? Things here. You ask my son, it's probably one of the banes of his life. Now, if you know when the things here is, the spelling is, you know when to revise, isn't it? But if you don't know when to revise, I tell you, even if you want to do last-minute study, you can't, right? Because you don't know when the last minute is, right? And you say, hey, the things here is going to be like, you know, two months. All parents say, ah, relax, ah, relax for now. right? We, we will just leave the preparation and put it on hold. But there's a simple difference between the day of the Lord and your things here. You don't know when the day of the Lord is going to happen. In that sense, it's completely uncertain. The timing is completely uncertain. Now, for those of you in in finance or in investments, doing investments, here's another metaphor for you. You cannot time the market when it comes to the return of Jesus. You simply can't. You don't know when you'll be called to give an account. You don't know how long your life is going to last. That's why, friends, today, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. And God says to us, don't delay. Don't delay in responding to Him. Don't delay in loving Him. Don't say, God, come on, give chance. Just allow me to put all my life in order first. I get to retirement. I have more time then. Then I... I turn to you, I serve you then. Don't do that. Why? Because you just don't know when that's going to be. There's such a thing as being too late. We look at verse 3. Follow with me again in the text. We go on to that last verse there. Um, and this is a picture of, of, of people saying, uh, putting God on hold, and then suddenly you realise they are too late. Let me read it. It says, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Look at these words, peace and security. So in the context of Thessalonica, this referred to the peace that they had under the Roman Empire. Life was good. There was no war. Economically, they are doing well. And so they honoured the Roman Emperor at the time. And they believed that this, this Roman Emperor was the Son of God that brought Peace. And archaeologists have dug this out, this, this coin that says, "Pax which is the peace of Augustus Caesar, the emperor at the time. They believe he was the bringer of peace. Now look at this coin, right, and apply it to our lives in Singapore now. Isn't life pretty good? We enjoy peace. We enjoy many, many comforts. But here's the loving question. Do these worldly blessings, the blessings of peace, lead us away from the Prince of Peace himself? You see, the the thing about God's blessings is, is ironic, but He gives us these blessings, but they end up giving us a false sense of security in them that leads us then to shut God out. And this is what we say when we shut God out. We say, God, thank you very much for your blessings upon my family, upon my work, my success. But God, please, thank you for your blessings, but please leave me alone otherwise. Don't tell me what to do with my life. That's how we live quite a lot of the time, isn't it? And here's the sober truth. The Bible says that when we live like that, there will come a time when God's judgment will fall upon us and it will be sudden. See, the timing is 100% uncertain but the truth of God's judgment coming is 100% certain. This is what the text leaves us with, no doubt. And this is what judgment looks like, right? One day, right, God will say to us, if you want nothing to do with me in your life, if you want nothing to do with me, I will give you exactly what you're asking for. I will give you exactly what you're asking for. And that's chilling, that's terrifying. We'll be cut off from from God, from life, from everything that He gives us. And this certainty of this judgment coming is like a pregnant woman, third trimester, knowing that she would face labour pains. I'll tell you a story here. Now, when the time came for, this is my number one, a long time ago, now he's 12 years old already, okay? This was him as a newborn. So the time came for him to be delivered. And we opted for induced labour. So the scan showed it was becoming quite big in the womb. For those who don't know, induced labour means you take medicine, the woman takes medicine, and then uh, labour gets started that way rather than just waiting for it to happen naturally. So on the big day, we went to the clinic. My wife Pamela took the medicine and the doctor said, okay, uh, this takes a while to work. It will take several hours. Okay, so you just go to the mall, walk around Kaikai a bit, Come back in a few hours. So we went 9 o'clock. We went uh, to a nearby mall and we had McDonald's breakfast. That's the first thing. Okay, Prepare for labour. McDonald's breakfast. Second thing, we went to watch a movie. Harry Potter 7. <laughs> and so during the movie, Sydney Lakes to pair him in the last row, I remember, and suddenly she cried out, Ah! Then I look at her. Why do you scream? This part is not scary, but And she gave me the death stare that all husbands know. And this is a death stare that said, and she said, it's labour pains. Pyak, 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 labour pains. Labour pains. The day of the Lord will come like labour pains. One day we will have to stand before the Lord to give an account. And that changes everything about our lives, doesn't it? So the question is, how do we live to be ready, to be ever ready for that day? I'm going to just suggest two very simple questions um, to determine our readiness level. The first, are we living purposefully? Are we living purposefully? And the second follow-up question, which is, okay, if we are, what purpose is it? What purpose is it? Are we living for peace and security so that the life that we have on earth is just as smooth as possible for us and our families? Or are we living for something bigger? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against peace and we shouldn't be anti-peace. We don't go out asking for trouble. But the further question is, what kind of peace is it? Is it peace at all costs? Is it peace on our terms rather than God's terms? And sometimes, in our journey of faith, all of us who have experienced it before, God comes and He stirs a bit that peace and He shakes us out of our comfort zone and says, son, daughter, will you serve me? Even though it makes you uncomfortable, even though it shakes your peace. When that happens, what is your response going to be? Will it be, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord, I will, I will hear, I will obey, I will serve you. Or will it be, no, Lord, I'd rather not. I'd rather not disturb my peace. And if it's the second response, we're missing out. We're missing out on the opportunity to find our true peace and security in the Lord. Second question, are we living prayerfully? Living prayerfully. And I don't mean that this means we, we need to spend all day, every day, every waking moment praying, singing Christian songs, doing nothing but that, don't need to work, don't need to... Do anything else? No, the Christian life is not about retreating. Sometimes you think Christian life is about retreating from the real world. No, 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 the exact opposite. The Christian life is about bringing the real world, God's world, into our world, experiencing the the real presence of God, moment by moment, day by day. Let me teach you this prayer of dependence. This prayer where we can pray. Um, Spirit of the living God, would you direct my thoughts, my words, my steps. My thoughts, my words, my steps. And you can pray this prayer, right? Some of you tomorrow, maybe you have a high stakes meeting. You're going to the boardroom. You can pray this prayer. Maybe some of you tomorrow are going on holiday. You can pray this prayer. Maybe some of you right after this, you're going to have a difficult conversation with your family, with your kids. Pray this prayer. Some of you may be going on a silent retreat by yourself. Pray this prayer. God, direct my my thoughts, my speech, my steps. Another thing about prayer. Do we persevere in prayer for those we we love, our our friends, family, neighbours who don't know the Lord? This passage leaves us in no doubt about the judgement. It is 100% certain. But it's so easy to lose heart, isn't it? You've prayed for many, many years and your loved one's still not responsive. But today, because we hear the word of God, will we just respond to the Lord anew and say, Lord, renew my passion to pray. Renew my passion to, to intercede on my knees, to start there, begin in prayer. Renew my compassion for my loved ones. If you're feeling discouraged today, please know this, that Christ is the one who says, it's not us. That Christ is the one who breaks every chain, who heals every broken heart, removes the scales from people's eyes. Will we live prayerfully? Allow me to conclude this morning. All that I've said today can be summed up in this statement, so I'll get us to read it together. um, And I have some actions to help us remember. So I'll say it first and then you repeat after me. It goes like this, I don't know when the day of the Lord is, so I'll respond to the Lord today. Can we say it together? I don't know when the day of the Lord is, so I'll respond to the Lord today. I don't know when the day of the Lord is, so I'll respond to the Lord today. In the words of Simon Ng, who's our dear brother here at the East and leads the common blessing, the community blessing, he says, liao, liao, Don't delay anymore. My friends, don't delay. Don't delay in trusting the Lord. The Lord who vindicates. Maybe today some of us say, that, but there's too much pain. Ben, there's too much pain in my heart. There's too much doubt. I can't, I can't trust. Or you say, I'm the wanderer. Remember we sang the song, Wanderer, come home. And we say, I'm the wanderer. I've strayed too far. But today, if you're the wanderer, God says, you're not too far. Come back. Come back. Don't delay. Don't delay in trusting the Lord. Don't delay in obeying the Lord. He's the judge that delivers the verdict of our lives. Will we live according to his purposes and not our own small ideas of peace? Will we ask him to deepen our prayer, our life of prayer? Don't delay my tuliao. And one final reason for that, because our times are in his hands, Okay, just breathe along with me. Just breathe. Take a deep breath. Again. You cannot take even that breath for granted. You cannot take for granted that you step out of this place, the breath won't stop. And I'm reminded of this daily because of my friend Daniel. So I have this tie here. I brought it to show you it's real. Uh, It always hangs on my bedroom door, so I see it every single day. And he reminds me of a friend called Daniel. Uh, Daniel's a friend from school. He, he loved and served the Lord. Notice the past tense. He's my age, 39 years old. He would be 39 years old this year. And he was involved in, in, in serving the Lord. Right? He was in Alpha at the national level. He, he played the piano beautifully. So he was in Awakened Generation, which is a worship ministry. But right? He was also a businessman. And many of us here are in business um, and so he, he really wanted to use his business as a vehicle to serve the Lord. He wasn't just gunning for profits. And he was very generous with his resources. Uh, and so one, one day he invited my wife Pam and myself to join him at this ACS fundraising dinner. Okay, if you know anything about ACS and fundraising dinners, the very name suggests it's not cheap. La. So the only reason why we went for the fundraising dinner was because my friend paid, la. Okay, he paid for our seat. So we went, he invited us. So that fundraising dinner, I bought this fundraising tie. Right, so it's a fundraising tie, you can guess the price, lah. I won't say. But quite expensive lah, as ties go. Right, so we are good family, friends with Daniel. He's uh, married and has five boys. Five boys. And we were just trying to meet up to hang out. And my wife was in touch with his wife and trying to get a date and so on, but kept postponing because of last year was heightened alert and so on. Then suddenly we got, we got some news. Daniel was swimming in his pool at home and he was found, submerged, motionless. 39 years old. And they rushed him to the hospital. He had suffered a heart attack in his pool and almost drowned to death, but he didn't. He survived. But all his brain functions were gone. All gone. Cannot respond already. And so I remember we, we joined in prayer. It was on Zoom that time, only Zoom prayer. So all of us, five screens full of people praying for him. Praying God heal him. God, would you act miraculously? Nothing happened. He, he was still unresponsive. About half a year later, he, he passed on. He moved on to glory. And what do I have to remember him? I have this tie. This tie that reminds him one day in glory, one day when I've, after I I've faced the judge, I will see this dear brother again. This tie reminds me, pray for his wife, pray for his boys. This tie reminds me, Ben, you've got to live for what matters. You've got to live for what lasts. See, friends, life is transient. But though life is transient, we can live for our transcendent God. This is the glorious God that we, we sang about. We, the God who is worthy, worthy, worthy of it all, worthy of our worship, our, our service, our sacrifice. There's nothing we can give him that he's unworthy of. But grasp this, this is the God who is high and exalted. That's what transcendent means, high and exalted. But how did he show that? How did he show his glory? He showed his glory by coming down low. Like I'm putting on the jacket right now. He clothed himself in our our frailty, our frail human flesh that gets sick, that dies. And then he said to us, this is my body, broken for you. And then he said to us, this is the blood of the covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In a very short while, Pastor Tony will be leading us in that sacred ritual of the Holy Communion and we will remember our Lord. And David will be leading us to end today's service with the song, Is He Worthy? But for now, my tu liao, let's bow our heads in prayer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want to give us silence. Sometimes it's in the silence that God speaks the loudest. And in that silence, don't let God pass you by today. I wonder if in this service is anyone who's not yet a Christian. And you've joined us for whatever reason this morning. And you hear this message about judgment and you're like, what's that? How could I possibly stand before God in judgment? There is a way. And that way is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus and to enter into a relationship with God himself. And that way we will stand acquitted at the judgment. So if you're not a Christian today and you've come, I want to give you a chance to respond. You may be coming to church, maybe you've come to church many times, but today will be the day that you respond. So anyone, not a Christian, on the count of three, please raise your hand so that we can see. Nobody else is looking around except those serving. Count of three, one, two, three. Do you want to come to the Lord today and start a new life with God today? Just a few more moments. Thank you, Lord. I want to speak to those, to the majority of us who are believers here there are two kinds of responses I want to lead you in. Some of you today are feeling hurt and you're wounded and you're saying, I, I find it really hard to trust. I've been through this whole service, I've heard you for 30 minutes but I can't, I can't trust. It's too painful. There are too many doubts. And if, that, if that's you, I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Put your hand upon your heart right now. And say, God, would you heal this heart of mine? Would you heal this heart of mine? Because trust is something God helps us to do. Different ones here, putting your hand on the heart. Say, God, heal that heart of mine. Trust is something you enable me to do. I can't do it. Thank you, Lord. See the hands. See the broken hearts. Would you heal today, Lord? One final response. You're hearing this message about God coming at the final judgment and you say, I want to live for that judgment. I want to live ready. God, just help me. God, help me. Empower me. Show me the way. Show me what I need to do. And what I want you to do now is to cup your hands and hold it in front of you and say, God, Here I am. Just cup your hands and hold it up in front of you. Say, God, help me now. Enable me to respond to you today. Enable me to be ready, to ready myself, to take that one step, whatever it is. Oh, Spirit of the living God, move in this place. Move in this place. Move among your people. Stir us, God, to follow you, to love you, to obey you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.